Amen. Amen. Overcoming the curse on marriage and life. Overcoming the curse that is here. Um, y'all are quiet. But I think y'all will catch it in a few minutes. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 14 and 9 through 19. And while I read it, I will exegese, so, so bear with me. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 through 19, reading out of the American Standard Version Bible, and it reads as such in our hearing. And Jehovah God said unto the serpent, because you have done this, because you have deceived my children, because you have allowed Satan to enter you, and Satan has now disrupted, has interfered with my plan. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Cursed are you above all the animals, the cattle, and every beast of the field, and upon thy belly thou shalt go, and thus you shall eat all the days of thy life. I don't know how that adds up with Satan. It said from Satan is called a serpent. Whatever happened, there was a change in him and all the demons that fell. But also, if the Adam that he went through apparently had legs and there was a physical change that took place. Next verse. I will put into me between thee and the woman, between thy seed, Satan, what you stand for, Satan, and her seed, singular, meaning another man is going to come to do what Adam couldn't do. And, and watch this. He's going to come from a woman without having a man. Because sin is passed down from the man. So I need a woman that I'm going to impregnate. That will bring forth a man like no other man. <laughs> and what God is saying is, I'm going to become the seed to deal with you. Since you messed up what I intended, I'm going to mess up what you intended. Uh, Y'all with me? He shall bruise thy head or crush thy head. Death blow. And you shall bruise his heel. You shall hurt him but not destroy him. Then he said unto the woman, I will greatly multiply thy pain and thy conception because now what y'all have done is brought pain into the world. Your, your travailing in, in childbirth is a reminder of what you have released on yourself. Uh, uh, uh. Yes, Lord. 
Childbirth is an illustration of the pain of life now because a new kingdom has come in because we rejected the kingdom of God. And now childbirth is a reminder that this baby is going to go through H-E-L-L in life. Thou desire to be unto your husband. You will want to control him instead of coming up under his covering. You will no longer trust a man. And now the man, instead of loving you and setting up the environment, he wants to have dominion by brute force and not setting up the condition for you to grow. He would want to use you sexually, physically. You have now destroyed what I made between the man and the woman where they were naked and ashamed and they were supposed to enhance one another, you now done flipped it because you allow Satan to come into what I created. Adam, because you have hearkened unto your wife's voice, Adam, I told you. I told you, I didn't tell Eve. I told you personally. And instead of doing what I told you, you did what she said. You are personally responsible for the pain that's going to be on mankind. Thou have eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to. Thou shalt not eat of. Curse is the ground. Adam, now the whole earth is under a curse. Because instead of me being your God and your king, Satan is now your God and your king. And he is cursed, so he can't do nothing but curse. And you want to know why the world is the way it is? You are now in a cursed condition. The earth is in a cursed state. Everything to do with this world is cursed. Cursed means it cannot bear fruit. It cannot bring forth good. It is bearing to do what it was intended to do. I'm cursing the earth because the curse on the earth is an illustration of what happened to you. Thou shalt curse is the ground for thy sake in toil. Thou shalt eat all the days of life. Well, what was supposed to come up naturally, you now got to work for it. What the ground used to produce by nature, but now it is now not my nature. It has taken on the nature of Satan. 
Next verse. Thorns, thistles, weeds is now the natural growth of the ground. You have just removed what I planted, what was fruit to eat and be fruitful and increase. And now if you have any increase at all, it's by the sweat of your brow. Thou shalt eat of the herbs of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. And thou return unto the earth. You wasn't meant to die, but now you're going to go back and die. Because I can't let your, your flesh live forever in a sinful state. What I didn't intend, you now have brought upon yourself. From the dust thou art, unto the dust thou return. Let me, let me sit down, sit down, go ahead, let me, let me. Lord, even now. Lord, even now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Allow me to tap into this. We was talking, the, the, the Bunkatons are the ones who came from Israel. We was talking, and in our discussion, what we discussed was this. Perhaps the fruit that they ate was not like we Americans think, an apple tree. It probably was a fig tree. Y'all get me? Can I go a step farther? Because fig trees are all, all over the place. Okay, now watch this. Then they probably covered themselves with the leaves of the tree they ate from. Oh, why is that so important? Because we try to cover ourselves in our sins. Uh. <laughs> That's what sin is about, is us trying to provide for ourselves. So the very tree that the disobedient is the very thing that they try to use, that they sow together to cover themselves. Then the next verse said, when God said, where art thou? And he had this conversation. It said, and God provided animal skin that something had to die. God intervened in their problem to cover what they had done. You know, one of the things that, is, that God is showing me is that as you deal with something in scripture, he begins to give you more light and more light and more light and more light. Why? Because you're not ready for the tenth light till you deal with the first light. <laughs> you got to deal with principle one to get to principle two. One of the things that, that God has shown me that I, I need us to tap into is this. God sees things as kingdom. Within each kingdom has its own rules and principles. And even though you can be saved, it does not mean you walking by the principles of God's kingdom. Amen. Amen. 
Ah. Can I step into this? Kingdom is not just dealing with knowing yes, it's dealing with this is what you do to have the life I intended because the world we live in is cursed. Curse means it cannot produce. When Adam disobeyed, Satan came the small g of this world, Ephesians chapter 2, says this. He said, he said, you once was like the people of the world who was under the influence of the small g of the world, of this world. The small guy, Satan, has set himself up as God. And all of us, before we were saved, that's who controlled us. The problem with that is Satan isn't trying to bless you. The problem with that is his, his agenda for mankind is to steal, kill, and destroy. The problem with that is is that when we do what the world does, we're planting seeds for ourselves and within ourselves. Can I tap into this a little bit more? And even though you're saved, if you're planting bad seeds, you're going to eat bad fruit. Saved, but still dealing with the consequences of my choices. Hold on, hold on. Not, not choices I made when I was out there. But we haven't learned the word of God enough. We don't trust God enough to know that my ad, our attitude, our decisions we make now, knowingly stepping out of the will of God, that it's going to break. Satan will give you pleasure now that's going to cost you later. Haven't we learned that yet? How many has made decisions and from the moment you thought it satisfied your flesh, but it brought you trouble later? Oh, shut your mouth. I think all of us have experienced that, but my question is, have we learned from it? Have we learned that God's word is principles and principles mean ways the ways that God wants us to walk in so he can give us the life he intended for us to have. Because Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. First John 3 and 8. Then he said, I come, John 10, 10, to give you life more abundantly in a fallen condition. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Turn to your neighbor. The world is cursed. Everything in this world is cursed. People who don't know Jesus is cursed. Every decision we make that is not from God is cursed. Let me ask you a question. Are you living out of your curse or out of your position then? Your position, God says, I've given you power to walk in the blessing. 
But if you keep on acting out of the condition and making decisions out of your condition, then your decisions and your attitude can't produce you nothing but death. The problem is, is that we don't see it like this. We don't understand the implication of kingdom. We don't understand that we're living a natural life, but there's two spiritual kingdoms at work in our lives. One is trying to direct us and save us, and the other one is trying to destroy us. Let me show you this. Let me show you this. Because, 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 because it, it's, it's, it's agriculture. Agriculture is dealing with growing things. Okay? Y'all yes, yes, get that. Yes, Agra, ground, culture is to cultivate, yes, watch this, to cultivate a cult. Mm-hmm. When we think of a cult, we think of something, something evil. But cult really means this, to, to, to bring up something that is not natural to that environment. Anybody here got a garden? Used to have a garden? Maybe play with a garden. <laughs> when you planted a garden, that garden just didn't come up. And you said, oh, I got a garden. You had to work. You had to get the ground ready. You had to remove the stuff that was there. Why? Because it is not natural in the culture of the ground because the ground is cursed. The ground is going to produce weeds. But if you're going to have a garden that's going to grow things that is that you want to eat, you have to cultivate it. You have to work it. You have to plant it. You have to dig up, tear down, plant, water, de-weed. Why? Because you are now growing something that is strange to that environment. So now you got to work for it. Y'all get where I'm coming from. Y'all see that. Anyone who doesn't work the garden won't have a garden. Because it's going to be overran with weeds. Well, why does weeds naturally come up? Because it's cursed. That's what God said. But the cursing of the ground was not what God was trying to do. God was saying, you curse the ground because now you are in a position that what I wanted to bring up out of you can't come up because now all you can reduce is weeds. We're saved, which means this. I'm engrafted, you're engrafted into Christ Jesus. So the possibility of bearing much fruit is there. But wait a minute. He's given us the power of choice. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter, let me see which one. I gave you a number of Deuteronomies. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 1. Let's go to 
15, 16. Deuteronomy 30, 15. God starts talking to the children of Israel, and this is what they said. See? See means I have made it so that you can understand. See means it's not hard to comprehend. Sees means I'm breaking it down where you can get it so you have no excuse. <laughs> See means that I'm bringing it down to your level that if you want it, you can catch it. And what he says is, see, I have set before you. Set means I have laid before you, and I'm making it plain today before life and good, death and evil. Now, if you switch this, what it's saying is this. Good brings forth more life. Evil brings forth death. Every time you and I choose to act other than who we are, it, we die a little bit on the inside. Don't think that you can just get away with acting anyway. Don't think that you can just do anything and ask for forgiveness. Now, now he's going to forgive you, but what you have set up was plant some seeds in your life that's going to bring forth fruit that you don't want to eat. Oh, we've been there. Hold on. Y'all looking at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. How many has ate fruit from something you did that you don't want to eat, but because you planted it, you had to eat it? <laughs> you know, I think we all can understand this concept. What, what my problem is, is this, is then why do we keep making the same mistake? I may not make that mistake, but I go ahead and make this mistake, which we should now be learning that even if I don't understand why God tells me to do something, what I need to know is God, God loves me. He, he wants good for me. That God got my best interest in heart. And even if we don't understand, we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, do what he tells us to do, and leave the outcome to God. Which means that we fight with this world system. We fight even what we've been taught. We fight with our own selves. It's, sometimes it's not that we don't know to do right. We just want to do wrong. And if you're a Christian, you can't say you don't have the power. Because the closer you get to God, the more power you got. He has given us everything we need to be overcomers. Turn to your neighbor. I'm an overcomer. But watch this. You and I control the over. We make that choice by the decisions we make. We do this. 
Let's go on. Let's go on. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. He says, I have commanded you today, the Lord God, to walk in his ways. Listen, his ways of blessing, his ways of increase. He's trying to get us back to Genesis 1, where God says, multiply, increase, blessing. I have blessed you, favor. But guess what? He has to navigate us through a fallen world. Oh, yes, sir. Uh-huh. With fallen principles. With fallen people. So watch this. If you're going to do it God's way, people won't like you. You become people's enemy because you won't join in with with the fun. Hold on. Somebody say even Christians. Christians who don't want to follow God holy don't want you to follow God holy. Why is it that crabs in a barrel don't want you to get out the barrel? So, so if we're not following God completely, they sure don't want you to follow God completely. Even family don't want you to step out of the box. You'll make some people mad when you quit partying. You know, you go in and you, you can drink. I don't drink no more. You say what? You know, a little bit won't hurt you here, man. Oh, you know, when I do marriage counseling, I tell couples that they're sleeping together, quit sleeping together. You should see how erate they, the, the guy stands up and say, no! So, hold on. <laughs> Sister G said, a typical man. And this is why I explain. You don't know if you're right for one another, because right now you're hot for one another. Because your flesh will override your spirit. And God could be waving red flags because you are physically involved. You are not paying attention to what God is saying. Many of us have married folks you don't even like. Don't even talk about love. God knows what he's talking about, but when we think we can beat God at what he knows, You know, it says in the Song of Solomon, it says it's throughout Song of Solomon. It says, by the, it's a third voice. It's the women of Israel said, by the gazelle of Israel and by the dog, do not stir up love before it's time. That love in Hebrew is the word evaha. Evaha. There's three words for love in Hebrew. There's rea, there's evaha, there's dog. Rare means friendship. Uh It's the feeling. It's a brotherly love. 
Eberha is where you begin to get deep and it's the bonding of the spirit and the bonding of the soul where God is making to one. Dough is the physical act of making love. And what it says, I, when I read it, I went into to the Hebrew, I thought I was going to say, do not stir up dough before it's time. Uh-uh. The physical act. This is what it says. Do not stir up Avaha. The bonding, the yoking before it's time. Okay, well, I don't understand what you're saying here. This is what he's saying. Let Avaha has a full course. Don't pick the fruit too soon. Abraham lets you know whether she's right or whether he's right. And if you go to dough, you're not listening to Abraham. See, see, we, we do what we want to do, then we blame God it don't work out. I don't care how handsome he is. I don't care how many muscles he is. If he's a devil, he's a devil. I don't care how cute she is. She may be a brick house. She may be a devil in disguise. Some of y'all are clapping because you've been there. And marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. The communion table is a covenant. Baptism is a covenant. Covenant means relationship. God says, this is mine. I take jurisdiction over it. Malachi, he says, I'm the one who makes two one, which means that you can't bond yourself. And the sexual relationship is not a true bonding. That's hormones. It makes you feel like you close. It's hormones, which supposed to be come in after true yoking comes in. 2 Corinthians, y'all quiet, but that's good. It's good, it's good learning. It's good learning. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, do not be unequally yoked. You know what? I said, okay, yoke. I, I know this word yoke. I know this word yoke. And, and, and this yoking is found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, when Jesus begins to say, take my burden upon you. He said, he said take my yoke upon you. You know what the yoke is? The yoke is the instrument that, that, that Israel would use, and they're talking about a double neck yoke. The yoke is put around the most tenderest part of the ox, his neck. And what will happen is if a, one ox is moving and the other ox is not, they both neck is hurt because the yoke puts pressure on the neck. Well, it says, you can't go no higher 
are no farther than the other one. Hold on. When, when Christ is not the center of your marriage, then there's a yoke between that man and that woman. When Christ is the center, Christ is the lead ox in a three-neck yoke. And he is controlling it because you have made him the center. Whenever you take Christ out of anything, the devil comes in. Especially marriage, because marriage is the highest level picture of Christ in the church. Listen, you could be a you could be an eagle, but if you're married to a chicken and you're yoked up to a chicken, you can't fly no higher than that chicken. You can grow in your own spiritual development. You can grow in, in your seeking God, but in that marriage, that marriage is stuck. Wherever one of the partners is stuck. And it really doesn't matter. You can be the best husband, best wife. But if you're married to a chicken, you can only go chicken high. Yeah. <laughs> See, even if you marry and God will give you grace in that marriage. If he don't give you release, he'll give you grace to stay in it. And you say, well, it's too late for me. I said, well, then you need to teach this to your children and your grandchildren. We need to get this to the next generation because just like you don't know, they don't know. There's a yearning for what God wants for us. There's a yearning for what God has for us. And when, and, when we, and when we put that pressure on anybody else and God is not at the center of it, you're going to be disappointed. That's why many of us have a negative ass look at marriage because our experience did not yield what God was talking because it wasn't based on God. It's because our choice was probably wrong. We didn't follow, when you, when you don't follow God's principle, you don't get God's results. Amen, amen. And hold on, and even when you do follow God's principle, if both of y'all are not following God's principle, you still ain't going to get God's results. Amen. Why? Because it's a covenant of yoking. You cannot separate from the other one. That's why marriage, when you say I do, you still man and woman when you walk out of the aisle. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's God that makes you a wife. It's God that makes you a husband. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21. It says this. It says, it says listen, submit to one another. Let me speak to the ladies in the house. I know that you've been told that you have to submit, but this verse said that the man has to submit too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Notice what it says. You are really submitting to Christ. I hear women all the time. I don't need no man. I ain't submitting to no man. 
fellas, we're not any better than they are because what it tells us to do, it tells us, give us the hardest thing. It says, it says give her what she needs, which is an environment of love. Watch this. And create an environment of love even when she's not acting lovely. Oh, y'all don't hear me. You don't hear me. It says your job is to create the environment so God can work on her. So, so watch this. And if God don't work on her, you still do what you're supposed to do because that's what God is calling you to do. To the women, it says, you still got to honor your husband and find some area to give him respect, even if he's not acting respectful. Why? Because in order for God to be released and make him the man that he needs to be, God wants to use you as an instrument to change him. And, and man, God wants to use you as an instrument to change her. But what if they don't change? You leave it in God's hand. And either God's going to release you or give you grace to stand. Why? It's covenant. And God is saying, I'm the one that got my hands on this. Let me speak to some single people. Listen. You fly high in Jesus. You fly high in Jesus. I don't got one person to clap. You got, okay. Let me say it the other way. Let me say it the other way, okay? Don't marry a chicken. Don't go with a chicken because you won't be flying very high in that relationship. It's better to fly high by yourself than to be hooked up to somebody that ain't going nowhere and can't cover you. The hardest pain is marriage because it is the closest of relationship. The biggest disappointment is marriage because it is the Closest a relationship. See, and we think we got this. The problem with most marriages is that neither one has submitted to God or one hasn't submitted to God. And God can't bless what you don't submit to him. And we think we know how to do this, but this is a God's thing. But we have allowed Satan to trick us and we have brought it down to us. We got this and don't realize anything that is covenant is spiritual. And God has to be the one that brings the blessing out of it. Listen, whatever you got in your life, God really does want to bless. Jeremiah 29 and 11 said, I know my thoughts towards you. I know my plans for you. That if you give it to me, I want to bless you with good, not with evil. But if you don't trust me, it is is Psalms 1 that says this. He said, blessed is the man and the woman who walketh not who walketh not. He said, he's telling us what not to do. In the castle, why are you going to let the world counsel you? 
Why you gonna let your unmarried girlfriends tell you how to do in your marriage? Why you gonna go somebody that's been divorced eight times? Why, why you gonna listen to folks that don't even know Jesus? This is in all of life. Anything that we make choices without the wisdom of God can't be blessed. And what God is saying is, when, when you're not listening to the ways of the world, when you're not doing what the Joneses are doing, when you're not going away and you're going opposite the current of the world, he said, he said, not stand in the path of sinners. He said, don't even get in their pathway. Don't listen to them. Don't look at what they're doing. Someone asked me, why is it that it seems like the people of the world is doing better than people that's in Christ? I said, for a moment. Satan gets you in deep. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Listen, listen, listen. Nobody wants to be an addict. They don't start off being an addict. But heroin it will take you so high that the first shot will make you want the second shot. Now, now what happens is, the second shot of heroin won't take you as high as the first shot. So you go do a third shot thinking it's going to take you to the first shot. But the third shot don't even take you to the place of the second shot. So every time you shoot up, you're trying to have that same experience. It's like a dog chasing his tail. And you never can catch it. They say they seen people dying and they give them Narcan. They get up and run and go get high again. Listen to me. Talk to a heroin addict. This is what he told me. He said, he said, man, after a while, it's not the getting high. He said, it's the fear of coming down. He said, you get so sick coming down. He said, you get so deathly sick that you fear. It's not even a high no more because you recognize you can't reach that first high. He said, but now your system has got addition to the drug. So now you are definitely afraid of how sick you get. So now you find yourself doing what you don't want to do because you are afraid of the consequences you done set up. Just like Satan. Now I sit in the seat of the scarf. Listen, he's talking about ears, eyes, and mouth. 
Did you know that the gates to your soul, to your decision making, is your ears, what you hear, what you see, and what you speak? Mockers is talking. Watch the pathway. The pathway is seeing. Counseling is hearing. So, so I said, you got to be careful what you allow come out of your mouth. Even if everybody else is talking, you sit there and say nothing. You got to be careful what you let in your ear. You best put some word instead of all negative stuff. You better be careful what you see because Satan will keep playing it in your head. But the next verse says this. He said, but he who meditates, who delights in the law and the word of the Lord, in his word and his principles, not right or wrong, but knowing his ways, understanding how he acts, understand he got a way to bless you, understand if you're obedient, and wait on it. Meditate day and night. Well, because when you meditate on it, it begins to show you what is. Listen, 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 listen. I'm not preaching you this out of my own wisdom. Kathleen can tell you that I sent over about 15, 20 on a good day, scriptures, 25 scriptures, proven in my own sermon to me Everything I'm saying is scripturally. I got, I got, I got, so I got, I got scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture building my sermon. Because every word I say has to be scripturally based, word based. Listen, my opinion don't mean nothing. But it's me working through the scripture to see what God is saying. Saying, Lord, I see how disconnect. I see what you're saying here. Lord, how we missed it. Then this scripture as a this scripture added this scripture. So anything that you think I'm wrong at, that you don't think I know what I'm talking about, come see me. I'll open up my Bible. You open up your Bible. Let me show you where I get it from. Because the word of God is that serious. I'm not telling you something out of my wisdom. No, I can prove it. I got two, three scriptures backing up everything I say. Challenge me. Check me out. You don't know the work for me to see what I see. The scripture that I build this upon so that we can walk in victory. So that we can know God is real. God is a blesser. God is a keeper. Our God is an awesome God. And he's calling to his children, saying, trust me. I know what I'm doing. I know where I want to take you. I know I want to bless you, but I can't bless you outside of my word. He says, meditate on the day and night, that it yields to you, that you shall be like a tree planted 
by a river. You know, a river just keeps on, keeps on, keeps on giving that tree everything it needs. A river is, is that it never runs dry. Matter of fact, it will overflow its bank and double bless you. Did you know God will give you an overflowing blessing? Oh, y'all don't hear me. If you trust it now, now hold on, hold on. The problem is, is that if I start off with a twiggling, I'm not going to get fruit tomorrow. I got to keep working the tree. I got to keep nurturing the tree. I got to keep keeping harmful things away from it. Is anybody got a promise that they're holding on to? Is there anybody standing on the expectation that let me help you? You got to keep on building that word in you. You got to get some other word around it. You got to keep thanking God in the midst of it. You got to keep on watering that seed. You got to make sure that doubt don't come in. And when doubt come in, you kick it out with the word. You got to keep on praising God. You got to have an expectation that you're sitting on. See, I'm expecting a blessing. Matter of fact, I'm preparing for an overflow blessing. I don't see nothing yet, but in my spirit, in my spirit, in my spirit, by the word of God, I believe that God got a blessing with your name on it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Victory is yours. God has given us everything we need to be more than conquerors. But he's only blessing his way. He's only blessing the way he's directing us. Yes, you got to wait on it. But God will give you grace. Oh, y'all don't hear me. God will give you grace. God will give you grace to wait. David said, I would have fainted. I would have passed out. I would have thrown in the towel. I would have given up. If I had not believed, did you hear that? What kept you, David? I believed. What kept you, David? I trusted. What kept you, David? I kept on believing, praying, praising, giving God everything I got. I had an expectation to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you, are you standing on the way of Satan, which is a curse, or the way of God? And just saying, listen, saved, but cursed. Because you won't submit to the ways of God. Saved, but cursed. Listen, it doesn't even make sense 
to be saved and cursed. It all can go together. Saved and cursed. Let me prove it. The children of Israel was God's people and they was cursed most of the time. Because <laughs> they would not do what the Lord has called them to do. Guess what? There's a whole lot of Christians saved, going to heaven, but walking in their condition, and your condition is cursed instead of stepping up to your position, which is blessed. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil in your life, in my life. And watch this. We choose. We choose how much we want to see God release in our life. We choose how close we get to him. We choose how how he you know, how we're gonna let him take us. We choose. We choose. If I were you, I would choose Jesus. He loved you so much that he died on Calvary, defeated Satan, and got up with all power in his hand. Ephesians says this, that God extends towards every believer the same power that raised up Jesus will change you. There's nothing too hard for him. All he wants us to say is yes, Lord. Yes to your will. Yes, to your way. If you're here today, I got preachers that will pray with you so that you can experience.